Welcome to On the Side with Jackie London, a BS-free podcast where we're talking all things food, nutrition, and wellness to help you build healthier habits that stick. As a registered dietitian, author, journalist, and former clinician turned content creator, I've heard and seen it all. Join me each week as I debunk diet myths, explore the latest wellness trends, and answer all of your pressing listener questions. Plus, we'll hear from a guest who will kick off each interview weekly with a soup-to-nuts rundown and, okay, sometimes analysis of what they're eating, cooking, ordering in, or where they're dining out with tons of delicious ideas, lots of laughs, and plenty of pro tips in between. The one thing I can actually guarantee, I'll serve up tangible, actionable strategies to help you apply the science behind what works to what works best for you. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of On The Side. I'm so excited about today's guest. I think you're gonna love this interview. My guest today is the legendary Dr. Caroline Leaf. She is a communication pathologist and cognitive neuroscientist who spent the last 30 years researching the mind-brain connection, nature of mental health, and the formation of memory. She was one of the first in her field to study neuroplasticity and has helped thousands of people learn how to use their mind to heal, to grow, and to build upon personal experiences to find success in every area of their lives. That sounds pretty badass, if I say so myself. In 2021, Dr. Leaf published her 18th book, 18, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, and she also hosts her own podcast by the same name, and I highly recommend this book. I have listened to the audiobook, and sometimes I just pick up a couple. (laughs) I'll just listen to certain chapters. Um, just to kind of remind myself of some of these processes and, and frameworks that she talks about quite a bit, both in the book and on the podcast, which I highly recommend, all in the realm of psychoneurobiology. Today, we get into what it actually means to set boundaries, what toxic positivity is and what it looks like and where it's lurking all over social media, why it could be making you feel kind of worse about stuff, shoulds, can'ts, and other lies we tell ourselves, which could be the title of my memoir, disrupting toxic thoughts and how anyone can start doing this right now. And I got Dr. Leaf's interesting and really exciting uh, point of view on the great resignation of 2021. If you have not seen this being referred to across media outlets, I highly recommend the Atlantic's article on this or BuzzFeed News has a great stories of the great resignation, which I think just came out today. So it should be definitely out by the time this episode arrives in your feed, wherever you get your podcasts. I cannot wait to hear what you think. Let me know. Please DM me, rate, review. I would love to hear from you. As many of you may know, a podcast success is only as good as rating and reviews. We need people to hear it and see it and know that it exists in order to have amazing listeners like yourselves. So whatever you can do to spread the word, tell a friend, share it on social media, I would be beyond appreciative. And of course, um, I am here for any and all questions, which you can submit to me via Instagram at JacquelineLondonRD. All right, so let's get into the episode and I will see you on the other side. I think you're going to love this one. But first, let's get to a quick listener question. Okay, time for our question. All right, so today's question is, what are your thoughts on breakfast? Should we eat it? Should we skip it? And what if I don't like breakfast food? Your thoughts. Okay, 
Here's a little POV for you guys. Eat breakfast. (laughs) Just eat it. Eat a first meal of the day. And here's why I'm saying that. You guys do not. Please don't cancel me. I mean, I'm not even out of the gate yet. You know, I'm sitting here right now. I'm talking to you. I'm not even out of the gate. Okay. Don't cancel me. Eat breakfast. Here's the deal. The reason why I'm a proponent of this meal specifically from both research and in practice especially is because there's this large body of evidence of of epidemiological evidence that consistently supports the idea that people who consume breakfast are overall in a better state of health and have a lower BMI. The mechanisms of action, like as in how does this actually happen? What's the cause? What's the effect? There, There isn't one. There's not really anything concrete to go off of there. So how could you ever really tell outside of a lab whether or not it's actually beneficial for you to personally eat breakfast? So here's what the research says. Basically, there's a lot that supports the idea that consuming breakfast and overall health and lower BMI are related, but trials have gotten different results. There is this one major takeaway from all types of breakfast-related research everywhere that any one of us can use to our benefit, right? Across the research, there's no evidence that anyone is actually gaining weight by eating breakfast. What does that mean for you? You know, because I I don't totally know where the question is coming from, whether it has to do with weight or weight loss or weight management. But really, what it says to me is that in the worst case scenario, right, you try eating a little breakfast, you're not going to gain weight. So right there... That's a that's a pretty big win, right? It's eating breakfast regularly linked to weight maintenance. That's a beautiful thing. Okay. The interesting part of that is that most of the evidence and certainly the strongest evidence out there suggests that you're likely to actually burn more throughout the day after having a big breakfast while skipping breakfast is linked to burning fewer calories throughout the day, which kind of, you know, if you are asking that question from a weight loss standpoint, that sort of negates any weight loss benefit of taking in fewer calories to begin with by skipping that breakfast altogether, right? But on the other side of things, that really just means that eating breakfast is linked to having more energy throughout the day. Awesome. Love it. Sounds great, right? You know, in practice, it gets a little bit more interesting, in my opinion. And that's really just that everyone I've ever worked with has said the following thing. I don't eat breakfast because I have no time. I don't eat breakfast because I have no energy. I'm too tired. I'm not hungry. I'm getting my kids out the door for school. I need something that I can eat for breakfast that I can eat with one hand. Basically, convenience above everything else, which makes total sense to me. I mean, I basically, I want to say I roll out of bed to get closer to the fridge, but really it's more like a sloth-like crawl out of bed to get to the fridge. So, So really what I'm basically saying is prioritizing a first meal of the day has tremendous benefits all around. It also can help with the whole idea that, you know, you guys know I talk about this all the time, which is inclusivity above all else. The more opportunities you have to practice eating, satisfying meals, snacks, all of the above, the better off you are because you're, it's, you know, it's another opportunity to kind of get in touch with your hunger and satiety cues to make sure that you're including all these nutritious foods, especially breakfast is an easy time to get those because a lot of us are having those either at home or like in a specific location, we also tend to go back to the same foods that we like eating for breakfast. So, so yeah, so I'm massively into this concept that is the breakfast meal. Now, couple tips for making it a little bit easier on everyone. If you don't like breakfast food, who cares? Who said breakfast has to be breakfast food? It's not me, probably, because I love breakfast food, but that is me as a person and not me as a dietitian. All we need to think about with breakfast is having something within an hour, half hour of waking up. And 
I do something that I wrote about in Dressing on the Side, but that I also think is just critical for basically anyone anywhere, which is that breakfast also doesn't have to be limited to one meal. Bear with me. Meaning, split it up, right? Like how many of us want to have our coffee and like, let's say a banana or a piece of toast or, you know, a hard boiled egg or two, right? Like right away when we wake up, sometimes that can seem a little bit more attainable. Who says you can't have the other half of that breakfast, you know, an hour, two hours, three hours later, right? So thinking about having breakfast in two parts is more like a mini breakfast and then a snack, right? It just makes it a little bit easier to make sure that you have something going for you in terms of a first meal of the day. The other thing that I would say about breakfast is, you know, we want it to be satisfying, something satisfying, whatever that really means to you. Usually that's a combo of protein and fiber, two different satiety-boosting nutrients that when consumed together will help you stay fuller longer. But also probably for you, if you're anything like me, it's got to have some caffeine. So, you know, milkshakes masquerading as coffee drinks, those can be loaded with added sugar, but sometimes you can make them not loaded with added sugar. So there's a lot of different ways to have a delicious coffee or tea beverage that's going to give you that caffeine boost for the morning. Love it. On that note, I would say meh on smoothies. That's a question I get a lot on the topic of breakfast. So I'd say chew your breakfast. You know, I mean, with the exception of having a latte, which will give you a little bit of that extra protein, you'll get up to about 13 grams of protein from like a 12 ounce uh, you know, Starbucks, like that kind of grande latte. I think that can be really helpful because that way you're more likely to feel satisfied. Plus you'll get some of that protein from the milk itself. But you know, there's, there's this kind of concept of, oh, I'll just have a smoothie. I'll just have a quick smoothie and that'll be fine. But often these smoothies can be loaded with lots of stuff that you don't need that won't actually make you feel all that satisfied in the morning. So that can sort of feel like, yeah, I didn't really have anything to eat, but I did have this smoothie and now I'm ravenous later on. I see that a lot. So again, whatever works for you is what I would encourage you to continue doing. But I do want to call it out that Sometimes it can be a little trickier when it comes to trying to have smoothies for breakfast and then wondering why you're just ravenous later on. I hear that one a lot. Like if I eat breakfast or if I have a smoothie in the morning, I'm so much hungrier later. We can get more into that another time. Of course, you can always let me know if there's any questions you have on that topic. But in general, sticking back, getting back to the topic of breakfast, here's the other thing I would say is that sometimes it can just feel overwhelming to make breakfast. So don't, just organize it right? Like let's think about a couple of ideas that would work for you to just kind of organize or cobble together in the morning. Frozen hundred percent whole grain waffles are an amazing one. They're sort of like a swap for bread. I mean, well, they are a swap for bread. They're not sort of like that, but uh, I love those with a tablespoon of peanut butter, a cup of berries, whatever you like, little drizzle of cinnamon sugar on there. Maybe it's two eggs, two quick eggs. That's, that does involve some heat, but maybe you've made the eggs the night before and it's just chopped hard boiled egg on whole grain with avocado and tomato and salt and pepper or um, overnight oats is an amazing one or Greek yogurt is an amazing little can do (laughs) just about anything when it comes to adding flavor, but also adding massive amounts of protein. So also last one that I will leave you with for now is leftovers. Everything leftovers can be made into breakfast. I highly recommend doing that, but I would say in general, Anything can be breakfast if you want it badly enough. So why not a sandwich? Why not 
a little pizza bagel. Why not eggs? Use leftovers. Use whatever you have on hand. Make sure you've got an unsweetened latte, cafe misto, cafe au lait as part of your smaller kind of mini breakfast. And you can always have the rest of your breakfast later on. That will give you a nice caffeine and protein boost to start off the day. And don't don't think of breakfast as something that has to look a certain way. We're living our lives here in 2021. The breakfast does not have to look like some sort of idealistic version of a Kellogg's commercial from 1995. Cool. All right, let's get back to the episode. I hope that helps. Welcome, Dr. Caroline Leaf to On the Side. I'm thrilled to have you here. What an absolute pleasure it is to to meet you officially and, and to see you. I guess this isn't really official meeting, but I suppose it is now that... Yeah, nowadays it is. Nowadays it is. Exactly. Um, yeah, the Zoom meeting. <laughs> the Zoom meeting is the new way of meeting. It's very true. That's it. So, um, true. so first of all, as you already know, but I will share with our listeners, cleaning up your mental mess is, has become a little bit of a Bible for me. Tell us oh, about your you. experience of writing the book, what it is and what it's not. That's always my favorite way to, to sort of yeah, approach that's a things. Yeah, that's a great way of diving in. Well, Cleaning Up a Mental Mess is um, it's one of my many books I've written. It's my most recent book. I've written 18 books over the years, and they've all been around the psychoneurobiology, which in simple English is the mind-brain-body connection. Mm. So I started out 30 years ago in the field doing research and working clinically, and I have continued research. I don't practice clinically anymore, but I'm still always researching because we need to understand the mind-brain-body link and the field of mind has been so misunderstood and so kind of messed up kind of thing in the world of psychiatry and psychology and it's been sort of dumped in and the brain I'm holding up a brain for the listeners everyone <laughs> thinks mind and brain are synonymous and it's been my life's mission to help people understand that you know you're not your brain you control your brain your mind is who you are and your mind shows up in your brain and my early work was with people with very severe problems like traumatic brain injuries and yeah. chronic traumatic encephalopathy and dementias and yeah. severe learning disabilities and trauma. And I very soon saw that the systems that I was being trained in back in the 80s did not really help. Um, they were just compensatory. They weren't really, they were helping people, but they weren't taking people back to you know, changing their mind and changing their brain. They were kind of just compensating, almost like accepting where you were at and just learning right. to live with it. And I found right. that very negative. And I did a TED talk on this because I remember challenging one of my professors saying, because in the 80s, they didn't believe the brain could change. And I said, but you know, hang on, the mind is always experiencing something new. Mm-hmm. And at that stage, the mind and brain were seen as separate, but the brain wasn't seen to change. So I said, that doesn't make sense because if your right. mind is changing and right. your mind is how you experience life, then your brain that your mind uses must be changing. So they said, oh, well, that's a ridiculous question. But you know what? Go research it. So I did. And I did some <laughs> of the first neuroplasticity research in my field. And neuroplasticity is the ability of the mind to change the brain. Brain can't change itself the brain if you did your brain does absolutely nothing but at the moment as we're talking and as you're listening your mind is changing your brain because your mind is how you listen and process what, what's being said. And you put that in your brain and you change your brain. And your brain actually grows little thoughts and which look like trees and, and that changes and that changes your body. And if it's a healthy conversation like now, yeah. a healthy experience, you're going to grow healthy thoughts. And if it's a toxic experience, traumas, and there's all the different levels of trauma, that's going to change your brain in a negative direction. So your brain right. always changes. That's right. the plastic paradox. So it changes in the direction that it's led to change. So if it's toxic, it becomes a toxic change. If it's healthy becomes a healthy change. 
the great news is, is that if we manage our minds, we can actually change how our brain changed. So we can change it back. We can change it, right. make it more even healthier, and that impacts our body as well. So psychoneurobiology is mind, psycho, neuro, brain, biology. So there's a relationship, it's not just brain, body, or mind, body. We often hear mind, body, or brain, body. It's mind, brain, body, because the mind and the brain are separate. So it's three different things, right. mind, right. brain, right. body. And there's a feedback loop, but mind is the driving force. So wow. that's been the what I've worked on all these years and and basically develop systems for people to help manage their mind because your mind never stops. You can right. go three weeks without food. You can go three days without water. Right, right. You can go three minutes without oxygen, but you don't <laughs> right. even go three seconds without your mind working. But we don't pay enough attention to mind. And mind yeah. needs, mind's driving everything. If you're dead, no mind. If right. you're alive, mind is working. So right. if your mind's a mess and unmanaged, your brain's a mess, your body's a mess, your life's a mess. <laughs> so, and, right. and it's okay to be a mess because we do get messy because life is messy. So that's not the, that's not the bad part at all. The problem comes in if we don't manage the mess. So we actually see in our psychoneurobiology that we're able to recognize mess mm -hmm. and repair it and grow from it. And that's where my work lies. How do you do that? How do you right. recognize the messiness? And how do you, as a title of my book, my podcast, et cetera, cleaning up the mental mess, how do you right. do that? And how do you do that as a lifestyle? And how do you do that for the big things like the traumas? Yeah. And how do you just for the day-to-day -day stuff and when should you start like as soon as early as possible as young as possible and when can you not do it never you, you always well you're alive your mind's working so it's basically mind management on all those levels wow wow okay I have so much to say to that. I have so much to say to that, but I love that so much because what essentially you have given us in the form of, uh, certainly in the form of cleaning up your mental mess, and and I know that you you just mentioned eighteen, which makes me feel like I need to get to a bookstore immediately after this. <laughs> <laughs> but I but I've got to say the really fascinating part about that, something that really resonates with me, is that. I'm sure that in both of our areas of work, something that we hear a lot is I can't or I should, right? And those are two kind of, of words or phrases or I should be doing X or I can't do that because of Y. Can you talk a little bit about that, about where those perceptions come from and how we can apply some of some of your work, some of your work around neuro, having this sort of neurocycle set up in that framework and that establishment in order to, to work through some of those things that we believe inherently? What stops us from, from making those changes? Good question. So things like should have, could have, would have, and I always laugh when you whenever I hear that, I always think of this comment my husband regularly makes, you know, the should have and then the ugly right. cousins, the would have, could have, <laughs> if only, you know, the sort of, yes, and those, those things, those words, should have, could have, would have, if only, mm -hmm. can destroy you or they can build you. And what they are is they are basically patterns of, of thought mm -hmm. that we attach experiences too. So what I mean by that is that every moment of every day we're experiencing life, like this conversation. And right. that life, that that experience is being grabbed by the mind. And there's all this psychology of think, feel, choose. And we can yeah. unpack that in a moment. But let's, let, let me get the big picture. Then we can come back and unpack mind Great. brain. But basically mind, think of mind as the first uh, line of defense mm. or, the, or the first, uh, what do we call it? The first thing that happens yeah. is mind. Right. Uh, mind is how you actually can hear this conversation and process this conversation. Right. The mind then takes this and puts it into the brain and uses the brain mm -hmm. to be able to convert this conversation into a physical structure in your brain, which 
which then influences your body, sends a message to every cell of your body, and that combination of mind-brain-body enables you to talk about what you're hearing or apply what you're hearing in your life. Now, this happens all the time. So let's say you have a conversation. uh, Let's say you're preparing for this podcast. So so like you said, you read the book and whatever. So your mind is what you use to read the book because your mind is you. It's your thinking, feeling, choosing. You put that in your brain. You then were, as, as, as you were in your thinking, feeling, and choosing, you were working out your questions and your approach. And you built that all into your brain as a little tree. And I've got some a little analogies <laughs> here. I've got all these clocks. Here's another one. Okay, so here's I a love tree. This. So you built this into your brain. And as you are asking me questions, you are talking from this. Right. This is coming out of your brain. This is where the information is coming from. If you didn't put this in your brain, you would just be going on what I'm saying. You'd be going on the new information, but you did preparation before. Right. So the point here is that right. you could have had, as you woke up this morning, you had a conversation with your husband. That yeah. would have been built into your brain. Right. So it, maybe you read an email that was awful and made you upset as your mind is what put that into the brain. And instead of it going in healthy, it went in, in a toxic way. So oh. use this toxic tree to show an unhealthy experience. <laughs> Experience. Now these, this is amazing. These are these are thoughts. These are real things. Thoughts right. are real. Think right. of a thought as a unit, as a product. Right. And it looks like a tree in the brain. And you actually, you with your mind, you build every experience of life into your brain as thought trees. And like a tree is made of roots and branches and and trunks. You know, mm-hmm. like a tree is made of roots, branches, and so is a thought made right. of roots, branches. And the trunk and all the branches. Right. And this is what a thought looks like. So all the branches and the roots, those are the memories inside the thought. Right. So the thought's the big thing, the concept, right. the real, and it's not even a concept, it's a real physical thing made of proteins and chemicals and vibrations and all kinds of fancy stuff. And it's made of all these little branches. And those branches are all the data. Mm-hmm. So as we're speaking now, yeah, as I started speaking, it was little, but as I'm talking more and you talking more, this thing's growing and it's growing. And eventually by the end of the conversation, we've got lots of details. So there's data that's actually growing as we are speaking. So that data, you, your mind is grabbing. Mm-hmm. I've grabbed this principle. This will lead to the icon, should have, would have, could have, and I'll explain that you yeah. I'll link into that now. Yeah. So the basic principle is you need to understand what's happening. And this is, if I may just for a moment, put yeah. that on the, on, on the shelf and just tell you and everyone there's so much psychology and psychobabble and words out there and I'm not I'm not criticizing I'm just saying that we mm. we use so many words in such a confusing way that no one really knows what we're talking about when we talk about the brain <laughs> no. and the mind and, and emotions and and thoughts and behaviors right. and choices they all kind of mixed up and I get interviewed by so many people I interview so many people and I train mm. thousands of people and I have over the years and I work with work with people in the now it's indirect yet so in other words People, you, everyone mm-hmm. is using these words in a kind of confusing way. Right. I shouldn't say everyone, most people. And that adds to the confusion. So we want to know, like, what is the I can't? Is it a thought? Is it an emotion? Is it a choice? You know, this right. Is Where did it come from? Right. It came it from so many places. Exactly. Yeah. So that, that's why a lot of these psychological things that we go through as humans, like thoughts and yeah. thinking, they all seem so, how do I, are they intangible? Right. So I make them tangible. So that's the yes. first, that's why I'm ex- taking the time to explain this to you is that you are turning this podcast, what you are hearing, with your mind, because mm-hmm. you have a mind, because and you're, with your mind, you're turning it into a thought tree in your brain. A thought tree is made of proteins. So you're literally taking my sound waves and electromagnetic light waves and gravitational fields, which is what I'm producing. Right. You're processing that, but you're hearing words and you're thinking, feeling, and choosing about those words. And all of that, that thinking, feeling, choosing light waves, electromagnetic waves yeah. are all going in the brain and the brain is responding and gene- 
eventually the response will be electromagnetic, quantum, chemical and genetic, and proteins are made. And those proteins then hold what I'm saying. So this happens again, more sentence, yeah. more of this whole physiology and whatever going on, another branch, another right. branch, another branch. And so you build the thought. So whatever you think about the most will have more branches. So if we yeah. spoke for five hours, there would be more branches than if we spoke for 10 minutes. Right. So in other words, the size of your thought tree is dependent on how much attention you're paying, how much data you're capturing, et cetera, et cetera. Now that thought tree that we're building now will only live for 24 to 48 hours if you don't yeah. stabilize it. So that's the other thing. We hear stuff and whatever, and then we don't stabilize it. What was that I heard? It was something about something, but you don't right. know the detail. Right. And that's when, so, so the memories inside the thought, that this is all protein, it just denatures, it just right. goes away unless you stabilize it. Right. So it takes cycles. If you want to, if you really want knowledge that you're listening to, um, like the kind of feedback you give people in terms of, of, of having the right attitude to food right. and how right. to the whole diet culture and the right myths and yeah. you know what to eat and all that, if you're building in good habits, if you want that to sink in, yeah. Then or thinking your client, you have to do this in the right time frame. Otherwise, they come to you, give you information. Forty-eight hours later, boom, it's gone. Forty-eight hours will be lucky. Yes. So, so disintegrates. Right. So that's what thoughts are. Thoughts are these are real. Right. And they they will go if you don't stabilize them. So it takes time. If you want something to stick, yeah. if you want to change something in your life, it's not going to take you one day. Nor is it going to take you 21. We all think it takes 21 days right. to build a habit. It doesn't. Right. It takes three cycles of 21 minimum. So it takes about nine weeks. And I've done direct right. research on this. There's so little research out there on the time of neural wiring. I mean, it's like I could find literally a handful of studies. So I did research on it. it and I it's really just yours. That's all I could find. I, I, that's all few, I could and find. There's a few studies yeah. in that I referenced that mm -hmm. have done a little bit of work. And we, right. and so the few of us, there's probably five of us in the world that have done real work on the time. Right of uh, that it takes to actually make the neural wiring changes mm. so that you to build a habit and they take it takes cycles of 63 days and yeah. it sometimes might take multiple cycles depending on what you're building into your brain yeah. um, in other words what you want to change and how complex it is and if it's a trauma that you're trying to change it, it depending on the level yeah. of complexity it takes time but the point right. is that there is a time factor involved and there's a systematic way that you've got to work with your mind to create the changes necessary in your brain and your body that will be sustainable so mm. we've got we we in such an era of access to knowledge as we all know. I yeah. mean, there's a million fantastic podcasts. You can you can spend all day long just listening, but never applying. Right, you know, and that's where it's actually almost better to to train yourself to actually understand how to brain build as you're learning. So that's what I mean. That's what I do is teach people how to also build knowledge into their brain so it stays there and that becomes a lattice and I'm getting to the answer yeah. to your question and then I also teach people how to detox the traumas of your life and in terms of, of fixing what's there so that's like the dealing with extreme trauma but someone like someone who's got a learning disability or traumatic brain injury yeah. they need to there's also the emotional component there's also the talk detoxing and all that the trauma that goes with it but there is a necessary brain building phase that's required so in other words there's two levels when you're dealing right. with um, mind brain body when you're dealing with life we have to work on two levels one is detoxing the traumatic stuff of our life things that are blocking us the patterns mm. that are toxic to our relationships and our work etc and at the same time we need to be building our brain which builds resilience okay so now when we do that then now let's talk about the if only could have and the ugly cousins should have could have would have all <laughs> that stuff all those the gremlins. I can't and right. those ones right so those would now those those could be 
either of these. They could right. be healthy or toxic. But what happens there is that each event in our life, each experience mm. becomes its own unique tree. But then we also have these overarching trees that tend to be, um, that tend to influence our perception. So each experience becomes a thought with its memories. Right. But in addition to that, we also have these framework thoughts that are like, I'm going to grab a, a different sort of looking one. So I'm going to grab this Whoa. one so that you can actually see the difference. So let's say that this one now is a specific thought about you maybe preparing for this podcast, okay? Right. Then here is now a different looking one, but this is the overarching concept of, I know things are hard, but I'm going to push through perseverance, possibilities, might. I can't, doesn't work. If I say I can't, there's a reason why. Let me find out the why. Yeah. Um, should have, okay, I should have done that. I'm not going to let it cripple me. What should I have done? Right. How can I wire that in so that I, so in other words, it's a very constructive. So I take should have, would have, could have, I can't, if only yeah. I learn from it and I build it in. So these are called insurance policy I call them, I'm writing a book at the moment called literally the insurance policy networks. And these are the overarching things like the I can't, should have, could have, would have. Now I can also have an I can't, should have, could have, would have that looks like this. Right. And this is the I can't get through this. I just give up. I should have done that. And then I destroy myself with guilt, condemnation, and frustration by rehashing what it would have looked like if only I had could have done that and should have said this and if only I did that and you rehash the whole narrative in your head and by the time you've done that you feel sick ill and you can't function and you're more depressed and there's anxiety and all kinds of stuff so there now it's worked against me and this has worked for me but it's the same concept Right. It's the same. You right. both are trees. Right. So they, so every single emotion, every single thing that we, every perspective, all these things, they can always work for us or against us. It depends on how we have activated our overarching wisdom. So what do I mean by that? Yeah. We see from our psychoneurobiology that we are wired for love. So that right. means that our natural brain body, here's another model, our mind, brain, and body, a brain and body, the mind is all around it as a field, a gravitational field, is right. all wired for love. Now, science Scientists have actually said that word. In other words, you don't have anything in your body that's going to destroy your body. Right. Right. The the, the structure. Yes, you can get a virus, but that's coming in from outside. You can have a brain tumor, but that's not part of your original design or hate the word design. Your structure, your structure, everything about your brain and body, the structure is is all working for you. So therefore, anything like a COVID virus or anything like that that comes in, your body is going to immediately fight it. And that's the immune system and all that stuff, okay? Mm -hmm. So the same thing with the thought. Thought is recognized, is seen in the same way as a virus. Also made of proteins. Yeah. It doesn't have the same spike protein as a COVID virus, but it stimulates the same kind of response where the brain and body and the immune system are going to fight against that COVID virus or against that toxic thought. So see thoughts as being real. So if the I can't, if you have got a very I can't perspective it means that you've got one of these that's going got kind of big and it's almost yeah. formed like a net over everything right so right it's like a dark cloud in, right it's like a dark cloud so imagine this being like this big it's really growing big it's kind of the, the root system think of the yeah. roots in california right that root system they're very famous for their root system the root system is unbelievable it's massive right. and a lot of those roots are above the ground maybe think of it like just get that visual now you could have mm. that visual for the good and for the bad right so so just so that we understand, you get specific, we build specific thoughts around each experience we have. We build about 8,000 a day. And we have trillions upon trillions upon trillions because we've been building these since, since a certain point in the womb. Right. In addition to that, 
we also have bad experiences every single yeah. day. Yeah. And some experiences are tens, which is terrible trauma, or some are ones, which is just right. maybe a bad social media post or something like right. that. So right. there's a range of these, but we're building this combination. So yeah. it's specific in relation to an experience. Then we have overarching thoughts that we build that are conceptual. And right. that is like the I can't. Oh, I can't do it like that. What is? What do I mean by I can't? So you immediately, instead of saying I can't and falling apart, you actually I can't. What is the I can't? What right. can't I do? Why can't right. I do it? So you, and right. so that's perspective that created what we would call these insurance policy perspectives versus this, which is I can't. I give up. Right. Um, I right. Should. It destroys me. Right. And so this is toxic. So our brain and our body will fight this mm. and will grow this because this creates brain damage and damage to our entire physiology down to the level of our DNA, which I showed with my research. Mm. Even our telomeres, which are the ends of chromosomes, will be damaged mm. with this. It's not an automatic, I can't, and then I'm going to get sick. Right, and then it's, then it's a heart it's disease, a right? Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's cumulative, cumulative over time. Right. Yeah, cumulative right. over time. So that's why I don't believe in positive psychology because you also can't go and take well, the fundamentals, yes, but not the thing of like, oh, if I just say 10 positive affirmations, I'm going to be <gasps> oh fine. Oh, my not God, exactly. Hey, everyone. Quick note from yours truly, the host of the On The Side podcast. It's me, Jackie London. And I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for being a part of this, and for starting this journey with me. I am brand new to the podcasting space, and I would love to get the word out there about the On The Side podcast. I'm so loving doing this. I am enjoying it more than anything else, and I love hearing from interesting guests and answering your questions. So if you're enjoying it too, please, feel free to take a screenshot and post it to your social media platform and tag me at Jacqueline London RD. You can also, if you're not on social media and you're listening to this right now, then please take a screenshot and share the link to the episode wherever you're getting your podcasts and share it with three friends. How about that? Just three, maybe three family members, maybe just three people you know who might learn something new or feel like they're inspired to start sharing this a little bit more. I would love to get the word out there about the podcast and I would really, really love your help in doing so. So please go ahead and rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast and share your feedback with me. I'd love to hear from you and I'd love to hear what you think and what you're loving so far and what you'd love to hear more of. You can reach me on any social media platform at Jacqueline London RD, or you can email me info at JacquelineLondonRD.com. And I can't wait to hear from you and hear your thoughts so far. All right, let's get back to the episode. This is something I really wanted to ask you about as well, which is which is something I've heard you speak to before, and I I think it is so important for especially our current moment because I think there is a lot of this out there, which is the jumping to the positive affirmation, the the um, toxic positivity that is oh, sort of yeah. pervasive yeah. on the internet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tell us about this. Why is it not helpful, and what would serve us better instead using using this essential framework? for, for so, applying. So remember always that that's a specific event. Specific event can look like a healthy or a toxic. Right. And then same thing with these overarching philosophies, like I can't in a positive sense, I can't in right. a negative sense. Right. Okay. So these tend to these overarching insurance policies. These will help us. These will not help us. Right. And that's bad insurance. This is a good insurance. Right. These tend to pop up first because they form the 
framework. They're like the sunglasses through yeah. which you look at the current event. Right. So whatever's had the most attention will jump up. So things like um, so toxic positivity is kind of a framework that you can say that we, we see all, in all the wellness movement. And there's so much good yeah. as well. So I'm not knocking everything. Right. Piece. No, I absolutely just, with you. But, but toxic positivity is this thing that if I say five gratitude statements every morning before when I wake up and five before I go to bed mm. at night, I'm going to then knock out this toxic um, narrative I have in my head or those intrusive thoughts or that yeah. I can't, should have, could have, would have. Right. That it's going to be, in other words, I'm going, what you're doing is putting a Band-Aid on a bullet wound. Or, yes. or another another analogy, this is a weed in a garden. Yes. And if you go chop the head off, whoops, the weed grows straight back because you never got right, to the root. Right, because you roots. didn't get to the root. You have, right. to, you have to deconstruct and reconstruct. You have this, if this is a, if this is an overarching pattern, right. then that has to be completely deconstructed right. and eliminated and reconceptualized into the healthy version. Whether it's the overarching kind of perspective or whether it is the specific issue that you're dealing with and we're always working on both levels so you may be dealing with a toxic trauma from the past right that's affecting your relationships that would be specific the overarching thing would be the icon i can't get through this i can't and i mean yeah do you see what i'm saying that yes right right it's your sort of your belief system almost about your own abilities right yes yeah so there's these so there's these trees. So think of entering into a forest. Yeah. And as you enter into the forest, the icon should have, could have, would have is yeah. almost like this, this um, hedge that yeah. you have to get through. Right. And it's all spiky and ugly. And that's the icon should have, could have, would have that's messing me up. And I just don't get beyond the hedge. I right. just get stuck in the hedge. Or see the icon should have, would have, could have as being a beautiful green hedge yeah. that I, it's kind of hard to get through. Right. But I can actually make my way through. When I get into the other side, I start seeing another angle. I start looking at things differently. I start moving forward and progressing so through. Yeah. And then I can then then I can go to these specific issues and I can start, instead of saying I can't and, and these things just stay there, getting right. worse, I can now go into this, through the hedge and into the wisdom part of me, which we're all made of wisdom, which is part of this wide full of nature. And I can go yeah. now from this angle of wisdom and I can go and start dealing with this. Right. Literally standing there and dealing with that. And that's what the whole concept of the neurocycle that I've developed is teaching you how to do what I've just been saying with all these analogies. I love that so much. I think, first of all, as you're, as you're speaking, I'm thinking about something, something that is quite similar almost, um, even though it's, it's, two different, totally different biological systems. But essentially that often, you know, when I've gotten through so much of this research, when, as it relates to food and as it relates to um, some of these distorted thoughts about, you know, the, I can't and I should, or if if only all of that, um, that sort of language is twofold. One is that, you know, there's the vocabulary that needs a little bit of an adaptation, right? It's, it sort of starts oh, with sure. the self-talk, but it can't, just be self-talk because if it's just the self-talk like the you know I saw I saw someone literally and I think I think I maybe just took the time to actually unfollow which I rarely take the time to do but I I was like I don't think I can see that anymore literally just said be happy and I was like I can't with this today This is no. not for me That's today. the toxic positivity. Right. That's the, why haven't you said your five right. gratitude statements? You know? Right. What is wrong with, with you? What's your gratitude yeah. practice? That's my favorite. Yes. Right. Like I, I mean, it's just like, give me a break, right. you know, because it's yes, gratitude, but do you even understand what it does in the brain? Right. And it does nothing in the brain unless you right. do it in the right in the right order systemically right. if you're dealing right. with an issue. So gratitude statement only works if it's at 
of the neurocycle are developed at step five. Otherwise, right. you're wasting your time. You create cognitive dissonance. You have to prepare your brain. You have to go through a whole, whole right. lot of things before a gratitude practice will work. But no one's talking about that. They just think, just say them. It's right. Magically make things go away. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, and that and that's the other side of it almost, which is that when it comes to this application in the sense of of food, right? Is that I've where my advice has has sort of whittled itself down to is to just start by eating, practice eating consistently, right? I, I mean, almost it's almost like, yeah, to, like it, the, the, the the advice becomes that to rid yourself of all of this noise that comes into your head from lots of different places and in lots oh, of different yeah. forms, right? Is that start by just having some consistent meals and making them as satisfying as you feel is necessary for the moment and we'll get into everything else later but like let's start by eating in other words just feed your body <laughs> right. feed your body and listen to your body yeah yeah right right which so is it's, basic stuff it's basic stuff but it's almost like we've taken it so far that we almost can't see the basic anymore so i i totally hear all of this yes, i feel that, like it makes so much that, sense that advice you're giving yeah thank you that advice you're giving that's coming from the mind that is your right. wise mind it's your wise right. mind that is saying to your you know, to your clients but to, it's, it's going into their head and the, the wise mind their wise mind will receive it and that wisdom is just you know get consistent with your eating get into a basic con feed your right. body and then we can look at all the detail but right. your mind has to process that your mind has to take that in they have to yeah. eat eat consistently they have to wire that in they have to listen to you what you're saying goes in the roots yeah because that's right. whatever you that's you because you're the source of that advice right and then that's their interpretation and and that interpretation is Oh, um, well, I don't know. What is right. Or And it's like, so then it's kind of toxic. You know, Completely. Toxic Completely. Or there is, oh, that's okay. Consistent. What does consistent look like for me? It means three times a day or it means every two hours, depending on what works right. for you. It right. means let me, let me be, you know, like, let me, this is exciting. Let me explore what consistency means in my life. And right. there's a little action. Right. So, but your mind's doing that. Your mind's driving that. Your mind's driving your digestive system. You yeah. could be eating the super healthy farm to table, whatever version right. of whatever you're doing, because there's so many, there's no one way of doing any of this. Right. Um, and, but if your mind is, if you are coming from, if you've got those, that fire, that, that hedge of, I can't, life sucks. Is this, if the perspective right. hedge is like a mess up and then you get to the perspective of, you could kind of somehow get over the perspective hedge, but you don't actually get break it down. You then this is what comes behind it, all these specific trees. So you're operating from an unmanaged mind. Completely. It's, and you and you're eating your meal like that. So it's I can't, it's just, like I just can't. And, and this happened and right. that happened. You're immediately your pancreas, for example, won't secrete the 20 <laughs> different neuropeptides that your body needs to digest the food you're eating. So you may have just come out of a fantastic exercise routine. Right. And now you're eating this incredibly phenomenal meal, but right. your mind is such a mess. Now your mind drives your digestive system. Yeah. So your digestive system can function. So your neuro, your pancreas, which is one part, and I'm going to give you one part of the multitude, will stop secreting the 20 different neuropeptides that are required for assimilation and digestion of digestion right. and assimilation of that food. Maybe it only secretes one or two, which means it's the gallbladder, which means it's the intestine. Right. You can use up to 86% of the nutrition. So the benefits that you should be getting from that meal has reduced by 86% because you got stuck in the hedge. Then you got stuck once you kind of got over the hedge. Instead of breaking it down, it's still there. You're now stuck in this. This one did this to me. This is that. This is that. I hate this. I hate myself. And that's yes. sad. It's not, that, um, it's not guilt. Then there's guilt. Then there's condemnation. Then there's shame. So, I, right. And it's shame. like this shame 
victim spiral completely. Exactly. And that's the last thing I want people to feel that I'm telling them that that's you, that I'm describing you. There's mm-hmm. no shame in that. What you to get out of that, you've got to right. say, okay, it's a mess. The easiest way to say, oh, gee, I had enough of this is right. to actually give yourself permission to actually experience it. To say it. that and experience say, it. Right. Oh, gosh. I am always saying I can't. This is my perspective. This is how it makes me feel. These are the things that are bugging me. In other words, don't deny it. Don't just own it. Yes. And then say, okay, I don't like what this is doing. I choose to try and change it. I'd like to try and change this because I can see this is messing my physiology, my brain. If you didn't know that, go read my book. I, I tell you exactly yes. what that's doing in your body. But it starts with you being kind. If yeah. you don't, if you, it starts with you being kind enough to embrace how you're functioning. So I'm not asking you to feel guilty about that. I'm painting a picture of a hedge and these thorny trees and all that kind of stuff, not for you to feel guilty, for you to recognize that's going to mess up your brain and body. And messing Mm. up your brain and body is going to then affect how you are how you basically are going to take the next steps in terms right. of your neurophysiology. So if you say, okay, I embrace this messiness. I embrace the I can't perspective. I should have, I keep should have, could have, would have. I embrace right. that because that is not who I am. That is, I'm doing that because of something and you need to find the because of. And when you shift that perspective, I don't know mm. if, if people are, if, you, if, it, if it's clear what I'm saying. No, Instead completely. Saying, right. That's it's, who I am. Right. You're saying that's not who I am. But I accept that that's what I'm doing because of. Right. And there's a because of, and then you do the work with the because of, and that's where the system that I've developed within your cycle will help you then go from embracing that message of how you're functioning. Right. And of realm which is blocking you that keeps activating and you start finding why why do i look at life like this it's not who i am and it's okay to question this it's okay it's okay it's all right you've got to keep telling yourself it's okay and then you start deconstructing and then when you find the because of that's when you'll change oh i'm doing this because of this is how i grew up this is how i've always seen it in my family this is my culture this is my church culture this is whatever Mm. Whatever. Mm-hmm. This is the only view that I've had, but I don't really believe this. What would I rather have? And then you reconceptualize it. Now that takes 15 to 45 minutes a day for 21 days. And then it takes five to seven minutes a day for another 42. And if you go through that systematically, you will turn the icon should have, could have, would have that you've used as your kind of baseline example into this the icon should have, would have, could have into something constructive. In other words, I say should have. What shouldn't I have done? What can I learn from that? How would I like that to play out into the future? Mm. In other words, you develop an attitude. It's a process, of, right? It's a process, and you and you shift. Reconceptualization means that I can't change what's happened to me, but right. I can change what's in me. So it looks like this, but I can change it into this, right? And this then gives me a new way of looking at things. I don't know if that's if that makes any so, sense. No, it's, it makes complete sense. I think it's the yeah. idea of you know when you're when someone experiences anger with someone else, it's the recognition of being frustrated or pissed off at a behavior yeah. versus a character, right? Like what is the fundamental character exactly. that maybe doesn't work for Very me and that's example. okay, right? But if it's yeah. a behavior that they're doing that, that I don't like, I could just say I don't like it and never speak to that person again. Or you can actually say something and use that as a sort of jumping off Exactly, you can put point. out that boundary that people right. over talk about these days. Yes. Kind of I'm dying to talk to you about that. It's going yeah, to be so my, like my last topic. Yes, I know. And so, I know I know you are pressed for time, so I do want to make sure we get into that. Tell us about, I feel like boundaries are also being, that's a word that's being thrown around everywhere. And oh yet gosh. we have no idea what to really do with it. 
What do we no, do with it? And there's some good, there's some really good um, <laughs> yes. people to follow who talk about boundaries right. and that kind of thing. But then it's as it's, it's overused to the point where it's just about we, we almost use a boundary to lock us into these behaviors. Right. And right. Uh, oh, well, that's who I am. That's my boundary. Except me for who I am. And that's not what boundaries are. Boundaries right. are the recognition that there's something going on in my life that's making me be triggered by this person or these persons. So I need to actually have a period of time where I um, actually maybe create some distance physically or mentally from these right. people and that I can work on my stuff in order to not be triggered or it could be that that person had they I mean every person who's upsetting you or has got toxic behavior mm. towards you they are like that because of that's not who they are right but you that so you kind of got to have empathy and recognize that they're showing up like that it's affecting you but while they sort themselves out because you can't fix anyone so boundaries are the recognition i can't fix another person mm-hmm. i can only fix me mm-hmm. so therefore i need to be able to protect my own psychoneurobiology so that I can understand why it's affecting me so much, build the resilience in me so that I don't get so affected because every time I get affected, I actually feed back into that person's behavior with a comment or a reaction or whatever. And whereas if I can get strong enough in me, I can put up this loving boundary that just generates love, which is a, is a much stronger as, quantum physics and physics and yeah. everything has shown us that that the love frequency and it's not some waffly waffly this is hardcore right. science yeah. is a is a is, it's Einstein's work of photons as well the photons mm. that you send to that person are not one of anger that makes it feel defensive mm. and increases their toxic behavior it's one of hey I see you are battling but yeah. I need the space for me, and this is as much as I can sort of tolerate, and to try and keep your cool. Because the worst thing to do when someone is being toxic around you is to react. And yeah. it's so hard not oh to. Oh, my God, it's me. You're that, that, I'm, I'm yeah, reacting like even just hearing us. it. Right. Exactly. Someone <laughs> says something to you and it's like stabbing you in the gut, right. especially when it's someone close to you. Right. And, you know, it's like so unfair and we want to immediately justify and defend right. and, and protect ourselves, but that then spews out all the wrong words and whatever, and then it totally. creates this whole mess, and then the other, it kind of almost feeds in and, and, and kind of gives that other person, you see, you know, kind right. of the reason. Right. If you if you create a boundary, which is a space, it's basically creating space yeah. um, around you that is going to enable you to get another perspective. And when you get another perspective, then you're able to look at that person differently with more kindness, and then they don't know what to do because now you're not bathing them in frustration anger whatever there's just this calmness around you and there's this kindness and you come out and you are amazing and that comes out and then people will respond to that and they'll and it's kind of like water for ducks back kind of thing that's what that's what that's a proper boundary does that make sense yes yeah you do that to protect and if they don't want to do the work to heal that's not your responsibility right but the space you create and keeps you safe, that you can actually stay nice and stay loving. Right. And that love helps them become more resilient. It's, I know it's so hard to understand this because you want to correct, you want to fix, you want to say, you can't do those things. You can't say right. those things. They're not true. That's how we want to respond. That's not going to make it better. What we've got to do, because they're trying to fix it. We've just mm-hmm. basically got to be able to say, okay, they're showing up like that because of. They're saying and doing things that aren't my truth. Right. That's their kind of distorted truth at this stage. Right. I'm not going to convince them. I'm just going to get myself into total hot water and total toxic stress trying to do that. That's, this is, I'm talking about yeah. boundaries. But this language is boundaries. So yeah. what I'm going to do is create space 
If I can't physically, I'm going to create it mentally. And mentally, I'm going to work on myself. Why does that statement trigger me? Where is it coming from? How can I change it? How can I reconceptualize it? What's an action that I can do that every time they say that or do that, what can I do to change that? How Mm -hmm. can I create the sense of calmness and peace. I'm telling you, when you send out those vibes to people, and I talk about vibes in the sense of photons, electromagnetic light waves, that goes into that other person or persons. And they become immersed in this very healthy, positive photons and electromagnetic light waves, which increase their resilience. And somehow they start shining a mirror on their own actions. Mm. And suddenly they change. So that's a sign of a good boundary. I hope it's fantastic. Well, I think it's almost the first step that becomes the hardest part, right? Because what what ultimately it takes is like a little bit of confidence and just a little bit, but enough to be able to say, I respect myself enough to stand up for myself in this situation versus standing up for the other person because it's actually harming me to do that it's for them. And, and them. It's exactly right. you can't fix someone else. You can only fix yourself. You can right. only be for that, that person. I mean, you are you. We yeah. are core we wired for love and we wired for wisdom. So we're going to emit all of that. So yeah. if we can keep ourselves in that space. Now that's going to take work because if you've got someone, and I'm just thinking of multiple examples in my own life of how I've overreacted and got really right. upset by people that I love. Yeah. Absolutely and besottedly in uh, uh, love, like um, family members and right. friends and whatever. But they've done things that have really hurt me. And then I realized, okay, first starts with me. The first boundary I put up is I've got to see why am I so triggered by that? How mm-hmm. can I sort out and find the root? How can I go through the – and it's a five-step process to actually then find, which is called the neurocycle, yeah. to find that root. So then – and then I'm going to build in resilience into myself. And it's going to take me that nine weeks. You're not going yeah. to – you need so they, those you know, nine weeks. A boundary that works is right. going to a, a good boundary will take you at least nine weeks to build. I love and that. That's and no one talks really. No about one that. talks and about that. Is right. Yeah, because nine we, weeks. Because as you said in the beginning, in the beginning of the conversation, we spoke about how we throw words around and yeah. mix up words, and we don't know the difference between thoughts and memory. So now we know there's a thought. A thought is a memory. There's your brain. Your brain's not your mind. Right. Your mind is all this think, feel, choose. The definition of mind is you think, you feel, you choose. You use this ability, think, feel, choose. Your fingers, my fingers are stuck together. You think yeah. you'll choose 400 billion actions per second to process life in. So mind is the is this external think, feel, choose 400 billion actions per second gravitational field that's grabbing the experience, mm. pushing it into the brain. It gets built into the brain as this or this. And also in addition to that, we're building these perspectives, these frameworks. So the icon should have, could have, would have. And that's happening all day long. So if that's the, if, if that's the basic fundamental principles. Yeah. A thought then is made of memories. They're not thoughts and memories not the same thing. So what we have to do is look at our behaviors. How am I showing up? Am I Mm -hmm. reacting to that person? How am I showing up today? People can ask themselves this question, how am I showing up today that I'm not happy with, that's affecting my whatever, my functionality relay? Start there and then say, is this a pattern? Second question. Is this a pattern? Has it gone on longer than a few days, a week, whatever? Is, this, is How is it making you feel? So that's looking for the pattern. Then you start diving in and saying, okay, this particular pattern is destructive. So maybe it is that situation of a family member who is affecting your functioning. Okay, so now I can't blame that family member. I can't change them because they're their own person, but I can change myself. It doesn't matter if you, if you are, if they're wrong and you're right. At this stage, you have to get yourself strong. And then 
then you can dive in and start seeing why am I reacting and start doing the work of the trauma work of why are you reacting to that trauma and it's all acceptance and you go through the five steps and then you'll find as you get through progress through the 63 days you get a level of strength back oh that's fantastic that entire reworking of a framework is not an easy thing but I love the idea of the breaking it down into the specific experiences that actually help you do that and that it can actually be a little bit more tangible. I am going to let you go right now, but I wanted to ask you about one last thing before we go. We normally end with our our little version of, of what your dream day of meals, snacks would be. Maybe you'll give us one meal, but I wanted to ask you something about something a little bit more timely, which is that I just read this article as you're talking about all of this. I read this article over the weekend that I'm sure you saw, and I feel like it's been everywhere, this new statistic about people. Um, the great, I think the Atlantic called it the great resignation, right? Like the, the, this sort of like collective experience experience that we're seeing all over the place, which is people leaving their jobs this year in an unprecedented numbers. Do you feel like that's progress? Do you feel like we're doing that? Like, are we making these, setting these boundaries, taking these steps, saying this is no longer serving me in a post-pandemic world, let's say. Do you think that's a that's the direction that we're going oh, in? Oh, yeah. I think that people are thinking. We always right? never, you never stop thinking. You don't even go three seconds without thinking. But so it's, it's these, but we can think in these patterns that drive us and that we, in our non-conscious mind, which is the most intelligent part of us, but they've had so much attention. So we've got into these ruts and right. we know it's not right. But what, when you've got time and when you've got a major life change, you question your yeah. responses. And that's what I'm talking about as well. People are standing back and they're actually looking at, this has been the behavior of my life for the last few years. This, yeah. this disruption of, you know, imminent death, imminent threats everywhere. Yeah has made me rethink my values. So people, I've been saying this since the beginning of the pandemic, so I've done thousands of interviews on this. And right at the beginning, some of the first interviews I did, I said, hang on, this is not such a bad thing on a mental scale because mentally we are questioning our values. And when you start healing, when you start seeing, you will get worse before you get better. So they're getting worse is what we've been seeing. So anxiety is increased and that's normal. I mean, the pandemic's been frightening. Of course you're going to be anxious because anxiety is not an illness. Emotions are not illnesses, they're responses. So right. when we start questioning our responses and being curious about them, we're going to start recognizing, I should not want this anymore. I don't want this, this kind of pattern. So thinking, right. so in summary, this is a huge question, but in summary, when we are faced with something that shocks us into thinking differently, mm. we think, feel, and choose, and we start questioning what we've done. So things come out of our non-conscious that we have suppressed for years, that we've just accepted. And we can't right. start, start thinking about I don't know if I want to do that anymore. And that's right. a very good thing. That's how we that. will progress and move forward as a society. We've got to think deeply. We've got to think, feel, and choose deeply. People are starting to use their mind. And it hurts yeah. initially. Things get yes. worse before they get better. And that's what we're seeing as well. So it's a good thing. Dr. Leaf, I love that. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. I'm so, so, I feel so inspired now. And I'm just going to continue to listen to Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. Please just tell us where we can all find you, where we can get the book, what is next for you, which I'm so excited about. But I will, I will leave you uh, with the last word on that. 
Thank you so much. It's been a great interview. I've enjoyed our discussion. It's been fun. Okay, so you, people can find me in my social media handle, Dr. Caroline Leaf, and from Instagram, you can get anywhere, as we know. My website, yes. website sorry, is drleaf.com. I've got many books. My latest is Cleaning Up the Mental Mess, available on my site and everywhere the books are sold. And I have an app called NeuroCycle. The NeuroCycle is a system I've developed for how to do everything I've been telling you. It's in the book as well. And then the app is great because it's like me giving you therapy. So it walks you I through the 63 it. days there's all kinds of support so and then i have a podcast called cleaning up your mental mess same name as the book so there's where you can get lots of information i love that thank you so much thank you such a pleasure Thanks so much for tuning in today to this episode of On the Side with Jackie London. If you enjoyed today's episode, please snap a screenshot of your podcast app on your phone, post it to your Instagram stories, and tag me at JacquelineLondonRD to let me know your favorite takeaway from any part of the episode. If you're loving the show, if there's a topic you'd love to hear more about or a guest you'd love to listen to here, I'd absolutely love to hear from you. You can scroll down on your podcast app to where it says ratings and reviews and rate this one five stars, of course, and share your feedback. Your words might just be what the next person needs to tune in and start feeling more empowered and living better one meal or snack at a time. Of course, be sure to follow On The Side wherever you get your podcasts to ensure you won't miss out on any episodes. And remember to check us out. Check out the Q&A deep dive on the On The Side YouTube channel. This show is produced and edited by Elizabeth Evans Media Productions. I'm your host and executive producer, Jacqueline London. Keep in mind that any advice provided on this podcast is based off of my clinical judgment and application of research and practice as a registered dietitian, and it should not take the place of medical advice from your own personal physician. Until next time, cheers.